This is the Brewing Network's Brewing with Style, hosted by Jamil Zanishev and Mike Tasty McDole, along with special guest Jonathan Plise. Now, here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. Well, and we have a, a very special guest. Uh, one of our dear friends, we have uh, Mr. Mitch Steele from Stone Brewing. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, I, I think you are probably, prob- probably, <laughs> our, uh, our, uh, our, our most frequent. Frequent guest. Yep. Am I really? Yeah. It's like, wow, uh, it seems like I never come up here. Well, it's like it randomly. We, <laughs> Regis Philbin was, you know, is always like it was on the David Letterman show 500 times. <laughs> I think, you know, you are our uh, our high frequency guest. Well, we've, we've had you on the phone a few times, I think. Too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You know, uh, good. I'm, I'm happy to do it and hope I get to continue that record. Right, you uh, you always have lots of good information. I've got uh, lots of questions to ask you about tomorrow. As a matter of fact, <laughs> on brewing equipment. What about these loggers? Yeah, we got some pump pump uh, pump questions for you. Okay. Uh, Chris and I were like, oh, oh. "What about this? What about that?" And then uh, like, you know, Mitch is going to be here. We'll ask Mitch. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just going to base everything we do off of that, and you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, our reputation at stake, and uh, we'll base that off of your answer tomorrow. Oh, okay. No, uh, no yeah. problem. Makes Happy sense. to help. <laughs> no pressure at all. No pressure at all, my friend. No pressure at all. Well, and uh, one thing I wanted to point out is, uh, you know, if you like this kind of format, you like this, these shows, we've got uh, great shows on the Brewery Network. Check them out. Sour Hour. Uh, with Jay and Scott, we've got uh, uh, Doctor Homebrew, which is another excellent one about learning about styles, learning about uh, you know brewing to style, and and uh, you beer know judging. what what makes uh, beer judging as well. Uh, with JP and and his uh, cohorts, uh, Doctor Homebrew, that's a good one. You can actually Great send show. your beers into that one. We got the Brew Strong with me and Palmer. We got uh, the, the session Sunday session, which is now the Monday session, so it's just called the session. The session. Yeah. There you go. We figure out what day it is, and then we'll name it again. Then, then we'll name it again. Absolutely. Uh, good stuff. It's all free. Check it out. TheBrewingNetwork.com. All right. Today, Mitch, we are talking about, I know it's a style very near and dear to your heart, <laughs> premium American lager. All right. right. All right. I'll go back into my memory banks. In your uh, memory banks. We saw your resume. Because so. <laughs> you used to work for Anheuser-Busch back in the day, right? Yeah. I did. All right. So we figured maybe, you know, it was it was this or Belgian specialty. We figured we'd give you the, the premium American lawyer. <laughs> Thank you. Right. <laughs> I love Belgian specialties, but I'm not the expert. So right. that's, well, there that's... you go. Uh, aroma, low to medium, low malt aroma, which can be uh, grainy, sweet, or corn-like hop aroma may range from very low to medium low, spicy floral hop presence. Low levels, yeast character, green apples, DMS, or fruitiness are optional but acceptable, no diacetyl. Appearance, pale straw to gold color, white frothy head may, be, may not be long, lasting very clear. Flavor, crisp and dry flavor with some low levels of grainy or malty sweetness. Hop flavor ranges from from none to low levels. Hop bitterness from low to medium level. Balance may vary from slightly from malty to slightly bitter, but is relatively close to even. High levels of carbonation may provide a slight acidity or dry sting. No diacetyl, no fruitiness. Mouthfeel, medium light body from the use of adjuncts such as rice or corn. Highly carbonated with slight carbonic bite on the tongue. Overall impression, refreshing and thirst-quenching, although generally more filling than standard light versions. 
comments. Uh, premium beers tend to have fewer adjuncts than standard light lagers and can be all malt. Strong flavors are a fault, but premium lagers have more flavor than standard light lagers. A broad category of international mass market lagers ranging from upscale American lagers to the typical import or green bottle international beers found in America. Ingredients, two or six row barley with up to 25% rice or corn as adjuncts. Uh, the uh, starting gravity they give as a uh, 1046 to 1056, 15 to 25 IBUs, uh, finishing gravity, uh, 10.8 to 10.12, 2 to 6 SRM, and uh, 4.6 to 6% ABV. Commercial examples I give is Full Sail Session Premium Lager, Miller Genuine Draft, Corona Extra, Michelob, Coors Extra Gold, Vera Moretti, Heineken, Bex, Stella Artois, Red Stripe, and Singha. I guess... uh, Bevo is probably working from the 2015 guidelines. Yes, I just read the 2008. Good thing we're on the, all on the same page here. <laughs> what was the one of the Well, that, well you will be happy to know that they are virtually the same. Yes. All right. Uh, Mitch, what do you think of the, that style guideline there? Well, um, <clears throat> I, I think the bitterness that is rated in the guideline is might be a little high. Sounds high to me, too. Um, other than that, I think it was pretty spot on. Um, I think, uh, you know, for the style, the, the hop aroma, it, it depends on the brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some breweries, um, you know, at Anheuser-Busch, um, August Bush III did not like hop aroma in his beer. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, the IBUs and the late hop character dropped a lot while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but... Uh, and it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, with with a, a Miller product, they're using um, some modified hop extracts and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And so they don't analyze IBU-wise at the same level that other beers do. Hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, they have the same level of bitterness. But, you know, if you analyze them through a traditional IBU measurement method, you might only get five or six IBUs in the beer. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I did not know that. Um, so, so why don't the, why do the extracts not register? It's just that, uh, you know, I don't understand the, the, the chemistry behind the, uh, it. But the trigger element is just not in yeah. the extracts, I guess. Yeah. Right. Um, maybe because they modify them so that they don't skunk. That's correct? that's yeah. a big part of it. Yeah. Right, and yeah. and so maybe maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Very well, well, and you know, um, traditionally in Germany, you know, hop aroma is not is not that. Uh, not that uh, you know sought after a commodity either. No, it's not. I, you know, and and um, I think you know it's all about balance. And mm-hmm. and there are people uh, brewers that that like to have a little bit more influence of hop aroma when they're brewing this style than others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and um, I think I think the big flavor component of this style is the yeast. Profile and the esters that are mm-hmm. produced by the yeast, mm-hmm. uh, more so than anything else. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember having discussions with people in Anheuser Busch, and we were talking about how important the yeast was to the final character of the beer. And we kind of settled on, um, and and this was with uh, uh, Danny Kahn, who's now with Sierra Nevada. Uh, and we had some really good conversations about this, and we kind of settled on it. It's it's about ninety percent mm-hmm. of the flavor profile of these beers, right, right. you know, and the hops are underneath that, and the mm-hmm. malts underneath that. And, mm-hmm. you know. I still think on on every beer the the yeast is ninety percent, and you know because 
it, and my reasoning is, you know, even with a lot of hops, you know, Tasty and I were talking about, oh, you know, you just get a bunch of mosaic, throw it in, and it covers up a multitude of sins. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but, you know, you still, it, it doesn't matter what else you put in there. If the fermentation isn't right, you know, the beer doesn't taste right. It, it doesn't, you know, it isn't a, a great beer. Yeah. You know, it's, it's still that 90-10 rule almost. It, it, it is. It's huge, you know, and, and, and maybe the exception is a double IPA that's all about hops or a session mm. IPA that's all mm. about hops. But in general, the yeast is such an important component and mm-hmm. it's so um, underrated, I mm-hmm. think, you know, by brewers and uh, and by people that drink beer and enjoy beer, you know, mm-hmm. they, they don't really understand the impact of the yeast on the beer flavor. It's huge. Well, I think homebrewers especially, you know, and people that listen to the show, you know, they'll focus on, I get questions about what, you know, should I do with this? What should I do with that? You know, should I use this color malt or that color malt? You know, it's, it, this one's, you know, too love a bond, you know, <laughs> less. It's like, it doesn't matter. Throw all that in. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, oh, can I substitute these hops? Sure. Substitute whatever hops you want. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, what matters is fermentation, and they don't right. they don't tend to focus on that. But I right. think, you know, my my point being that in Germany, you know, hop aroma really wasn't something that they were going for, and uh, you know, so AB going for less less hop aroma mm-hmm. is actually you know more traditional than when, than you'd think, and people. It kind of got into this whole thing. Well, you know, the Germans were using first wort hopping because they wanted this great aroma uh, in the beer. I always believed what they meant was if you boil the the, the hops longer, you get rid of aroma, yeah. and so the aroma is <laughs> better because there's less of it. Yeah. Right. right? You know, that right. was always my my understanding of what they were talking about. It's a better hop aroma because it's less. You've bo- boiled off more of the volatiles, not somehow lock them in. Mm. So I never really believed that. I don't know. That's just me. I'm a troublemaker. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we will magically have... We've, we're doing this one blind, too. Yeah. We've got uh, A through F, the little yellow sticky note. That's your F. That's why there's... Oh, your yeah, exactly. I thought there was a random sticky note here. <laughs> right, right, with F on it. F, an F and a U, yes. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like... 
Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer, whether for yourself or as a gift. When you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. A few things happened 30 years ago. Arpanet migrated to TCPIP and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit Visit the store in Dublin, California, and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Now back to Brewing with Style. All right, we're back. We have um There's been enough more we could chew here. <laughs> uh yeah, who knows? Told you I could do it. Oh, yeah, by the way, Bevo. So proud. Good Excellent job, job of setting this up. Here. Thank you. Bevo's awesome. You know that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never seen this done before in these. All right. We have to. Uh, Tasty has suggested we first try and uh, identify or put our, put our guesses in. I think we put our guesses in and rank them. Same time? Go around. Yeah. And then... I thought maybe we could guess, them, like, like as a group, we could say, like, well, I know this one's this. I think that one's that. Rather no, than, no, no, no. This will this will give Mitch more time to tell right. tell tell us another story. <laughs> well, let's just Mitch name them all. Let's just him do it. Right, then we'll right. greet him. You, you know, I used to be able to do this. I, right, I, right. Uh, um, yeah. You know, with uh, 14 years at Budweiser, we tasted the three major brewers' beers all the time blind and mm-hmm. i got to the point where i could pick them out mm. and uh actually when i interviewed a stone greg made me do that i told him i could do it and he didn't believe me and and he put me to the test and i was reasonably successful with that and now i'm tasting these beers and i'm like i can't do it anymore <laughs> it's it's tough right right um all right let's let's start with uh steve okay this is porno steve by the way all right mm-hmm. My show name. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, right. Just born that way. Yeah. You may may have seen him in in such films as uh, Texas, Crack Wranglers in Texas. Texas, yeah. Texas Crack Wrangler. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. Okay. Steve. Cool. Um, Which what what beers are what and put them in order. Okay. Of, so I think of, or identify your top. Uh, I think A top is Pabst. Uh huh. 
had B as Miller. Uh huh. I had C as Budweiser. Uh huh. D is so very obviously Heineken. Uh huh. E is the homebrew. And I have F uh-huh. as Coors. Interesting. Mitch? Interesting. Oh, wait, wait. wait. What, 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 what do you rank as the, the best? Um, I'm a Pabst guy. So I'm going to go with Pabst. Actually, no. Well, I'm stuck in between Heineken and Pabst. Those are, those are the two things I would drink out of, out of all these. My least favorite is Coors. The homebrew is really sweet. That's what I got. That's a maltier. Yeah, yeah, a lot maltier, a lot more sweet. Um, the Coors stuck out to me because, um, I just hate Coors. <laughs> Which one did you I say that was? Uh, F. I think. F. F. Huh. Yeah. Okay. A little fuller in body, yeah. darker in color. Yeah. It's a banquet beer. What do you expect? True. True. Interesting. Yes. It's my input. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks for that, Steve. Good um, job. Yeah. I thought A was Budweiser. Um, oh. Now, Budweiser's changed a lot, I know, since I left the company. Um, mm-hmm. I thought B was Coors. Um, Coors, to me, has always been very light in color and light in body with a little bit of green apple kind of acid aldehyde character in it. Um, uh-huh. Let's see. <clears throat> C. I have no idea. I guess that's a Pabst um, uh-huh. because I don't have Pabst identified anywhere else. So I'm okay. going to guess that that's the Pabst. Okay. Um, D, I, Heineken. Uh-huh. Uh, I think we're all on the same page there. Right. <clears throat> I thought E was the homebrew. Uh-huh. Uh, very good. Um, really nice balance. Uh, a little sweet, uh, but very tasty and, and more going on than any of the other beers. Mm-hmm. And I thought F was Miller. Okay. Interesting. Tasty. And wait, Bebo, you did keep track of which one's which. Right? I know exactly okay. what you're drinking. I love okay. how we doubt her. So She's got it, man. She has never, never lifted. This is I'm, only... just, I'm just checking. Before we go way down this road, I just <laughs> I didn't have to re-pour everything. I think this is the only checking. time you've doubted her this much. Every other time it's been like, you're doing We've such a great job, We've never done this Bebo. before. we got you know, right. six beers here. Uh, it's, you it's don't understand. This has been attempted at the in other aspects yes. of the yeah, brewing we network yeah, several yeah. times this and is, has failed miserably. And we, with like three beers, we couldn't do it. But look, I've also never been in charge of this. <laughs> there you go. See? That's that's right. the well, lesson we should learn. You're right. impressing us. I'm going to rank the home brewer right. number oh. one. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> other, other than that, everything else. Oh, coming right off there. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> More like a mole. Pandering to the crowd. Yeah, I am. Totally. The crowd. Tasty? This guy might win. Uh, well, I agree that uh, E is probably the homebrew. It is definitely maltier. Okay. And uh, a little bit bigger. Uh, I don't know. If I was judging it with, the, with a bunch of other beers on the table, I may, uh, you know, I might, I would probably lean to, to towards the lighter version of, of, of the beer. If I was in like, uh, so he, he probably wouldn't win my, uh, mm-hmm. my judging. Of course, I got the Heineken. I got that right. Okay. Um, I think as well. I think that the cores is is B because mm-hmm. I've had a fair no, not, yeah. Which leaves me at a problem is I have no idea what F is other than it maybe being uh, PBR, and the rest, mm-hmm. that's all I know. Rest are like I have no which one, no idea uh, which one would be the uh, the Bud or the uh, or the Miller. And your number, no one? your number uh, one, I really like the homebrew. Oh, 
boy. Again, pandering to the crowd. <laughs> maybe we are the crowd. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's another, maybe chance, that to is kick, it's another chance to kick Big Beer in the balls. <laughs> no, All, right. Right. All right. All right. Um, <clears throat> swing. Uh, yeah, I believe the homebrew is E. And initially, just really off the, the color. And it's Darker. not as brilliant as the others, as far as clarity goes. It's just slightly off of brilliant. It's very, very clear. Excellent job of that. But that leads me to believe that that's got to be the homebrew, because yeah. all these other guys, they, they know how to really uh, produce a brilliant uh, beer. And the color's a little darker. Just a master character. Um, it's it's got some extra character. It's not as dry an attenuation yeah. uh, as the others. I think it's, a, it's it's leaving a little too much malt character behind, and for that reason, I can't I can't have it as number one. I think it's great, but <laughs> yeah, like I said, I didn't think me, it would do well do well in a competition. But right, I like I like, it I like the, the I like the chutzpah yes. of the uh, of the brewer exactly to uh, to produce uh, produce that and, and to do so well. I mean, I think that's actually quite quite a, an accomplishment right yeah. there because you're up against some some really uh, you know highly uh, skilled brewers who are producing these other beers. So yeah. that's that's really uh, saying something. Uh, yeah, the Heineken uh, that's D. You don't even need to taste it; you can smell it. That's a green bottle. If you're ever going to drink Heineken, for God's sakes, get in the can. In the can, it's actually pretty good. You get them those larger cans that they produce. Yeah, that's a pretty solid uh, uh, pilsner. Nice malt character to it, and uh, yeah. you know, very nice beer. Uh, all right, so that leaves the rest of these out here. I went with okay. So, are we correct with D and E? Yeah, those are good. Homebrew and Heineken. D is Heineken. Mm-hmm. E is Homebrew. There you go. All right, so we're not we're not doing too bad, everybody. <laughs> all right, we all had that. Thanks for that, people. Uh, along with Mitch, I had A as Budweiser. Uh, I had B as PBR. I had C as Coors. And I had F as uh, Miller. You want to fill us in on uh, what was A? Well, let me just first say that it gave me great pleasure it gives me great pleasure to, to know that I'm that wrong. Not a single one of you got all of these right. Well, oh, okay. Perfect. All right. <laughs> so A was PBR. Really? Ah, okay. Yes. Taylor got that right. Or I'm sorry, Steve got that right. B was Coors. Okay. Sorry, there's a phone ringing in here. <laughs> okay. C is Budweiser. Well, yeah. Hmm. Okay. And we know what D and E are, so F is going to be the Miller High Life. Man, High Life. I was off by just switch on so switch. Yeah, I flip flopped the uh, the Budweiser and the PBR. Yeah. So I feel pretty good about that actually because <laughs> I don't try high score. Steve got a high score too. You guys all Budweiser's actually you were all really much, close. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't drink any of these <laughs> on a. Yeah, I have any, no flavor memory of any of these beers. When I drink them, it's it's one of these things. When we're doing a, a show, forced to. Yeah. Yes. Well, not really forced. I it think, I think they're, the I think no. they're well-made beers. I think you know it's, uh, you know, it's a choice to do, you know, certain uh, you know flavor profile. That's what they're choosing to do. It's not that they can't brew something else. This is what a huge portion of the world's population is drinking. 
My gosh, yes. So, you know, there you go. Um, interesting. I I would I would have thought the Miller and PBR would have stood out a little bit more. PBR, um, the Miller I, I picked, because that was the stankiest one of the bunch for me. <laughs> Did you say the Miller? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I like this truly. Very technical. Is that, is yeah. that in plastic, too? <laughs> that is a plastic 40 with a twist-off cap. Perfect. That's a 32. Amazing. You didn't even get us a oh, 40. Sorry. That ain't no 40. Well. That's a 32. That's, that's a like plastic a, 32 with a twist-off right. cap. Hey, it's shatterproof. So you can, like, hit somebody with it, and it won't shatter. Excellent. There you go. But, yeah, I was able to pick, pick out the stankiness. Um, the... I would not have gone as as clear and light as the uh, the bud uh, C was was too clear and light for me. That that surprises me. I'm looking at this and it is so pale yellow. Right, right. I I I've don't remember Budweiser's being that. Right. I I mean it was always light, but this is beyond that. And, yeah, yeah. You know, of course it's changed a lot since I was there. So. Right, right. So. Uh, there you go. I thought that was very interesting. Um, oh, what would I pick as as number one? Oh, yeah. um, wow, wow, um, boy! As far as the style goes, I'd have to go. Um, it's really between the Bud, the Coors, and the uh, the PBR. PBR. All right, to make Steve happy, since I kick him in the balls every show, I'll go <laughs> PBR. All right. PBR is the winner. Woo! You know what? If you're not going to pick the homebrew, I think that is the best one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. All right. Well, I there, think, you, uh, there you go. Maybe after the break, I'm working on it now, we may be able to get the brewer on the phone and talk to him a little bit about his process. I'd love That's- to. Well, there you go. I don't know. If it's going to cut into uh, getting another story out of Mitch, I don't know. He may have to call back another time. Okay. I have Mitch here, man. (laughs) Get him on the phone. Tell him we we might dump him. That's all. Right, right. I I think he would be totally okay with that. Yeah, there you go. All right. Let's take another short break. When we come back, Mitch will give us a recipe for (laughs) premium American lager. lager. Yes? Yes, sure. There you go. All right. Back after this. (laughs) The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. If you haven't heard, there's a completely new brand of brewing equipment. 
Kettles, burners, and accessories. Trustworthy, everyday gear that helps you forge and shape outstanding beer the way you want. It's called Anvil Brewing Equipment. Hi, I'm John Palmer. You may remember me from such self-help books as How to Brew, Brewing Classic Styles, Water, and the Brew Strong Podcast. I am very pleased to announce the debut of Anvil Brewing Equipment from Blickman Engineering. I have been working closely with them these past few years to develop products that combine the best of materials, features, and price point. Each of these products has been developed, tested, and reviewed to meet these ideals and bears the Palmer Brewing Solutions stamp of approval on the packaging. Anvil Brewing Equipment, inspired by Palmer, built by Blickman, and made for you. Check out anvilbrewing.com. Anvil. Durable. Reliable. Dependable. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to MoreBeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Now back to Jamil, Tasty, and Chicken Boy. This is Brewing with Style. All right, we're back. And... uh you know, you know our good friend John Palmer, right, Mitch? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. He has got a new thing going with uh, John Blickman, uh, Blickman Engineering, okay. all the homebrew stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, John and uh, John, my two Johns, have uh, kind of uh, uh, come up with another line of products that that Palmer has has used has just tested it's stuff like uh kettles and thermometers uh burners scales things like that you know a little more value line uh, you, you know if, if, if you don't want to break the bank and go with the uh, you know the high-end blickman stuff and you need something a little scaled down in price you know fewer fewer bells and whistles but solid uh quality equipment that john himself has uh you know uh given his recommendation nice. to um uh, it's called anvil brewing uh uh, equipment through, by, by Blickman, and uh, you can actually go to anvilbrewing.com, and you can sign up for their newsletter, and uh, you'll get a chance to win some Anvil Brewing equipment, absolutely free. So, kind of cool. cool. Check it out, cool. anvilbrewing.com, uh, from our good good friend uh, John Palmer and John Blickman. All right. Uh, I put you on the spot here, Mitch. <laughs> uh, you know, a typical... Um, uh, American premium recipe would be something with uh, some some two row or six row. Mm-hmm. 
Or both. Both? both. Um, okay. Um, Why would you use both? Uh, well, you know, uh, I think uh, from my experience, the feeling was with the two-row malt, you get a little bit more of a kind of a nice malty sweetness. Mm-hmm. And the six-row malt gave you the enzymes you needed to convert the starches in the adjunct. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, <clears throat> with a premium American light lager, you don't want to go 100% six-row on the malt side of it. Mm-hmm. Um because uh, this six-row does tend to give you a little bit of a harsher character. Mm-hmm. Grainier? So, or? Grainier, yeah, a little a bit little sharper. More, you know, more tannic? That, yeah, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, um, Higher husk to starch ratio? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, the six-row kernel, just by its very nature and how it grows uh, as a barley plant, um, there's a lot more husk compared to um, – or the – the husk to endosperm ratio is a mm-hmm. lot higher. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a lot more husk per kernel. And it's a skinnier. It uh, is. It's, it's yeah. a very skinny. Um, you know, it's, it's it, the kernels are squeezed by each other. You mm-hmm. know, with a six row because the six row uh, you've got you've got kernels all around the stalk of the plant mm-hmm. and they squeeze each other and mm-hmm. so you get more husk and less less of the good stuff. You mm-hmm. know, from from a brewer's perspective, uh, but you also get a lot more enzyme. Mm-hmm. And so traditionally, the the enzyme, uh, the alpha and beta amylase content of the six-row malt was important for brewing beers that had a high adjunct content because mm-hmm. the adjuncts, of course, don't have any enzymes at all. And you right. need something to break down those starches to sugars. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what kind of uh, adjuncts? Uh, you could use uh, a rice. You could use corn. Flaked rice, flaked corn, I think, is the easiest to use. Yep. You throw that in there. You don't have to worry about uh, doing a cereal cook yep. to, ex- to expose the starches, the, the pressure and moisture and all that. When they roll it out into flakes, uh, kind of exposes the starches and makes them re- readily available to the mash, yeah? Yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of getting flaked or pre-gelatinized or even puffed mm. um, rice or corn is is that all that all that starch is exposed and mm-hmm. and if you're using the raw kernel mm-hmm. you've got to do some some pretty tricky boiling and and temperature control to really expose those those starches and and get them exposed to the malt enzymes mm-hmm. so uh, you know I, from a homebrew standpoint from a small brewery standpoint i would always recommend using flaked or pre-gelatinized right. um, I always rice did. or corn. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was great. Would you consider something like, uh, what about potato flakes? You get the box of mashed potato flakes, <laughs> throw those in there. I mentioned yeah, that would work. Yeah, why not? I think it would work great, you know, and why w- not? Would that have more of an earthy flavor to it? I, I guess it depends I mean, on what subtle. kind of potatoes are used in the flakes. But right, yeah, right. yeah. But yeah. somewhere between rice and corn. Like it'd be like in the middle there. Might yeah. have more flavor than rice. Yeah, I think Less it'd be a little corn. earthier, you know, and right, right. not quite as sweet as the corn comes across. You know, yeah, even corn the, comes across as sweet. Corn yeah. comes across as sweet, even though it doesn't really add sweetness to the mm-hmm. beer. It's just kind of a sweet flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I wonder because you could use essentially anything that does not have, um, you know, as much flavor to it. Uh, the interesting thing is, you know, the it, it, and people, uh, I think a lot of times are misinformed when you add the the rice flakes or corn or when you when you add these adjuncts to your mash the enzymes that are actually converting those adjuncts are the same enzymes that are converting your regular uh starches in your grains and what you end up with is maltose it's maltose because the enzymes are producing maltose even though 
the grain, the starch that you're starting with is not malt, it still produces maltose. So the fermentation profile and all that remains the same because uh, the yeast are working with maltose. Where what's happening is the flavor of the husk and the malted grains and the malting process develop certain flavors in the barley that come across into the beer that are left over in the beer. And by, by using these other starches, you don't get those extra flavors. You're kind of cutting back on that malty flavor, although you're still working with maltose. And that's because your enzymes from your grain, uh, that's what they produce. Interesting. Now, what, what about uh, starting gravity, finishing gravity, something like that, mash temperature? What would you – would oh, you do a step mash on something like this? Yeah. Um, you know what I'm used to doing is is brewing with raw rice or raw corn grits, mm-hmm. and and so you need to do a step mash, and and you do a decoction mash basically, mm-hmm. where you you mash in at 120 degrees or 110, 120 degrees, somewhere in that range, mm-hmm. uh, Fahrenheit, and and then you boil the cereal portion mm-hmm. and then pump it back to raise to conversion temperature. Um, but that being said, um, conversion temperature, I think in if you're going to use flaked adjuncts, uh, you could probably just go straight to conversion temperature mm-hmm. and not worry about it too much because you're not going to get a heck of a lot of protein in the beer because you've got a less a, a lesser content of malt. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, for an American premium lager, I'd guess kind of 153 154 mm-hmm. for conversion rest you know you want to you want to retain some some dextrins in the beer and and have some some maltiness and some body in the beer so you don't need to go extremely low on the on the mash conversion rest um you know and just do kind of a normal normal mash profile and you're mm-hmm. you're going to be fine that the the adjuncts are going to give you the lightness that you're looking for in the style right right Okay, and then uh, what about uh, hopping? Yeah, that's um, you know you can go all over the place with hopping here. I, I think the the key is you want to be keep it low and keep it mild and in mm-hmm. the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at it, it, it Budweiser, we tended to use a lot of different hop varieties and just kind of keep it really mellow. Mm-hmm. Three additions in the kettle, um, nothing beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, at Budweiser. Um, and I think they're still doing this, but I'm not entirely sure. But uh, there was an aeration column after the whirlpool. Mm-hmm. So you were stripping flavor. And, and the idea behind that was to strip the sulfur compounds because mm. of the beer you were brewing. You, mm-hmm. you tended to generate a lot of sulfur. And and so they went through what was called a stripper or an aerator. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a consequence of that, that removed a lot of the hop character. I always uh, enjoy strippers in my brewing. Yeah, I like them too, you yeah, know. Right. But uh, <laughs> in any event, you know, it, you know, you, you tended to get a lot less malt or hop character because of, of that process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I remember, you know, back in the day tasting, tasting Budweiser in a tasting panel and then tasting beer that was brewed to be like Stroh's, Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. And Stroh's was a very hoppy American lager. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in the taste panel going, wow, I really like the Stroh's. And, (laughs) and the VP of brewing operations looked at me and says, well, maybe you should go work for them. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm Hit like, a nerve with that guy. I'm like, how about if I just retaste and reevaluate? Yeah, me- oh no, I had the gla- I had the glasses mixed up. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm sorry. How'd this one get on the left? 
But you know, they, I mean, low low hop character. It's got to be. It's uh-huh. got to be about the yeast esters right. and and, right. and the fusels and everything else is produced by the yeast. That's really the mm-hmm. the hallmark of this style. Right. Right. Uh, starting gravity, finishing gravity. We didn't we didn't cover that. Oh, that's right. Um, uh, I tend to work in Plato. Right. Um, that's fine. Between Plato, twelve, ten, 10 to twelve, ten forty-eight, yeah, uh, ten, ten forty-four, finishing fairly yeah. low, you know, right. two and a half to three, right, fairly, you know, somewhere fairly in that dry. range, uh-huh. yeah, 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 just enough to give it a little body. You don't have a lot else going on in there, so you don't need a heck of a lot of residual mm-hmm. dextrin content. Yeah. You're shooting for around five percent, yeah, five percent yep. ABV, mm-hmm. yeah, and then um, yeast. Yeast. Uh, there's a good American uh, lager yeasts from uh, both Y yeast and and White Labs. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know either are a good choice. Yeah. Um, I think the danger in in doing some of the German yeasts is that uh, they can tend to be a lot more malty and not as crisp and not throw off as much. Uh, I think I, I get a bit more acetaldehyde uh, from uh, some of the American uh, lager yeasts. Yeah, it's um, I, I, the German yeast are going to give you a different beer, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think if you can find a good American lager yeast that does well for you, that's the way to go right. for sure. Right. Okay. Well, what about uh, what about water? Uh, anything anything special about water? It's pretty soft, pretty soft. Um, you know, fairly uh, uh, fairly low alkalinity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these beers would would seem thinner and harsher. Uh, should they have, uh, you know, uh, if you're working without soft water? Yeah, I I, I think so. And, I, you know, really, most of these beers, if if you look at the history of these beers, they develop from German mm-hmm. and and Central European lager styles. And and the hallmark of that is is soft water. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's important in this style because right. otherwise the hops, you know, what little hops you use can still come across as very harsh in mm-hmm. a beer that's this light. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Let's take one more break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up. We'll be back right after this. Say hello to my little friend. You've heard about White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast. Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Lab's yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch, Flex Cell technology and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of pure pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. 
For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs, and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. There are two types of people in the world. Naughty and nice. Grogtag is letting you tell it like it is with their naughty or nice labels for the holidays. Grandma getting you down? Slap a naughty label on that four-year-old pale ale and put it under the tree. Did your Uncle Sal add you to his will? Well, he deserves your freshest batch of IPA with a custom nice label. Pick up one set of each and take 25% off your order by either entering code NAUGHTY or NICE at checkout. We all know how much beer you have to get rid of, so why not make it look good? Go find them at grogtag.com and don't forget to sign up for their newsletter to learn about the Gifting with Grogtag 12-day sale during Christmas. Grogtag, at least your beer will look good. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Now back to Jamil, Tasty, and Brise. It's brewing with style. All right, we're back. Back at it. Mitch, I think I'm going to blow your mind here. I'm not sure if you're aware of this product. iDip. Have you heard of iDip? I have not. It is not It is not for chewing tobacco. It is um, actually for testing your water. We were talking about water and the importance in brewing something like this style of uh, the premium American lager. What it is, is uh, it's a test strip. You only need like four milliliters of water, tiny little bit of water. You dip this thing in. They have over 35 different tests that uh, you you get like a smartphone app and you can uh, oh, you know, wow. send your, your results out from this thing. I mean, you can test for things like total alkalinity, chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and, you know, a bunch more. 
and uh, it'll keep a detailed history of your results. You can see track your water over time. I know at our brewery in Fairfield, uh, with the droughts going on in California, the the, the water's been changing over time, and we've yes. had to adjust our our brewing process. Um, you know, uh, if you can if you can track that, you can anticipate even more. So you say, yeah, generally around the summer, I get you know my water changes like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes it so much easier. You you dip the strip, and then you, you get a reading. It's, uh, you know, a little uh, photometer, and uh, it's the only one that uh, will harness the power of your smartphone. And, uh, you know, you don't have to do calculations or anything. You don't have to, like, work with drops or anything like that. You dip, you read it, and, you know, it calculates everything for you. And you can email it to your friend and say, ah, oh, yeah, here's the water we're dealing with. Tell me, uh, you know, or... You can do it and email it to Palmer and say, hey, Palmer, uh, help me out with this. Uh, Here's my problem. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. uh, Wow, really? So does each analytical have a different strip? No, one strip. Uh, I don't know. Apparently one strip, I think. Um, Well, no, there's a... Uh, there's a bottle of reagent, and there's the strips, and then, uh, I don't know, you enter, enter uh, nobody has given me, uh, you'd think that somebody would give me some products to try. Oh, yeah, I'm saying thing here. Talk about like, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, they give the people that don't It sounds brew. great, though. Right, I, It yeah. really does. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, they give it to Justin. What's he doing with it? Yeah. It's probably a doorstop. Uh, you enter the code, uh, you go to um, www.smartbrewkit.com. Enter the code uh, TBN15, and you're going to get free shipping and a bottle of reagent uh, for free, a $70 value. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I think you know, that- it, it's it's amazing. You know, as as more people get into brewing, people are, are jumping on, on trying to find ways to make the process easier. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's gotten easier. The results get better. Oh, I know um, lots of homebrewers that have water issues. This would be just what they needed. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Um, what have we not talked about? Mitch, one more story. <laughs> about? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, tell us about... Tell us about. Let me tell uh, you about Michelob. No. <laughs> yeah, you can tell us about Michelob. I was wondering about... Uh, about your uh, your uh, brewery in Berlin, how that's going? The brewery out in uh, Richmond, Virginia, yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, they're they're both moving along at lightning speed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We hope to be brewing um, on the big system in Berlin in um, mid March, and right. about a month later for the big brewery in Richmond. We're brewing in Berlin right now on a ten hectoliter pilot system. Right, right. Uh, doing some good beers and and getting our beers out to the Berlin market. But once we start brewing on the big system, we'll we'll be um, we'll be shipping our beer all across Europe. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, very cool. And so, uh, you know what? What was the main? I mean, maybe you're not the person to speak to this, but the, you know, the main idea behind it was really okay. We can get our beer out to you know the European market fresher and at a you know, more reasonable price point because we're not shipping it all the way over there. Was that was that the the, the motivation behind I, I, it? I or? think freshness was a major motive motivation uh-huh. here. Right. I, and I I tell this story all the time, but. Um, Back in 2009, when I was just starting to research the India Pale Ale book, 
uh, Greg Cook and I were in London, mm-hmm. and we found a place that was pouring our beer on draft, and it mm-hmm. was Stone Smoke Porter. Mm-hmm. And we each bought a pint, and we tasted it. We looked at each other and said, "This is crap. <laughs> this tastes terrible." <laughs> and and right. you know, we kind of powered through the beer, and you know, it was about <laughs> a year old. And and Greg turned to me and said, "You know." If we're going to be serious about selling our beer in Europe, we should brew it here to make sure that it's fresh. Mm-hmm. And and sure enough, two months later, that's when Greg and Steve came into my office and said, hey, remember that conversation? We want to build a brewery in Europe. Hmm. And and so this has been several years in the making, but a lot of it had to do with fresh beer. And now I think, you know, over time and as the brewery has started to be constructed and, and Greg is spending a lot of time in Europe and getting to f- a feel for the European beer culture, I think Greg sees this as an opportunity to really – expand the craft beer movement mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a major right. way. Right. And and so that is um I don't want to say it's secondary because it's probably mm-hmm. of equal importance to him but mm-hmm. you know having fresh beer in Europe is one and right. and expanding craft beer in general is mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I tell you I I have the utmost respect for for Stone and all the people at Stone. I think um I don't think people understand the the true dedication to craft and you know the you know the the motivation behind brewing uh, craft beer. I don't think people understand you know what that really means to people like you and Greg and Steve and and that it, it's truly you know living the life. It's not it's not just uh, lip service. It's truly very important to the people at Stone. You know, more so than at a lot of other breweries that talk a good game about craft beer. Yeah. I think for Stone, it's really absolutely true. Yeah, we live it. There's no doubt about that. I, you know, when I when I was interviewing at Stone in 2006, I, I remember this very clearly. It was almost 10 years ago, and I walked into their distribution warehouse, and mm-hmm. Stone has a dis- distributing company in Southern California. Right. And I saw the beers that they were selling. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it was Russian River. It was Lost Abbey. It was Alesmith. It was uh, Avery out of Colorado. Uh, it was Victory out of Pennsylvania. These, these, in my mind, you know, coming from Anheuser-Busch and being a home brewer, were the pinnacle mm-hmm. of craft beer back in 2006. And to see all these brands at Stone and seeing – Stone putting that much focus on selling these beers in addition to their own beer, mm-hmm. it just made me realize that they they lived craft beer and, right. and what they right. thought craft beer could be, and mm-hmm. and and that has never changed. You know, it, it, and as big as we've gotten, you know, it, it's still a, a huge focus on the beer and making good beer and making interesting beer and taking some risks mm-hmm. and and maybe not making a beer that's that's a home run as far as sales but it it makes an impression on people right and right. and um you know shows us what we can do as brewers mm-hmm. I, I i love it i yeah. i think that's just the most amazing environment to be a brewer in yeah. uh, ever you know yeah i think stone's no bs at all yeah. I, I really believe that um all right, so what's the Michelob story? Uh, so, so Michelob, the 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 Budweiser pr- 
premium brand, right? Uh-huh. It, right. Um, you know, it's just a, a, a lot of history there with with the Michelob brand. I think when it started in the late 1800s, it was an all malt beer, mm-hmm. all two row malt, mm-hmm. um, and all sots hops. Hmm. So it was a pilsner in almost every respect, except right. for the yeast that was right. used to ferment it, which was the Anheuser Busch Lager yeast, uh-huh. which is very different than a pilsner yeast. It yeah. produces different flavors. Um, and I remember when I was in corporate brewing in the mid-1990s, there was a lot of discussion about Michelob because the sales were tanking on the brand, and huh. it just didn't really have that cachet right. that it used to have. And there was a there was an element of people that wanted to take it back because over time it had evolved, and, and you know, uh, we started using rice in Michelob, mm-hmm. and it started becoming more like Budweiser, almost to the point where it was almost indistinguishable from mm-hmm. Budweiser. Right. Uh, and there were people that wanted to take it back to the Sots, mm-hmm. all malt um, version, which I was totally on board with. And then there were people that wanted to take the hopping even lower mm-hmm. and wanted to make it sweeter, and they were calling it Michelob Ultra Smooth and this and that. <laughs> and and Ultra Smooth. Yeah, and you know, Michelob Ultra came out about right, right. about a year after all that rigmarole. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, and it was always a big controversy, hmm. you know, at, at, at Budweiser. What to do with Michelob? Right. Because Michelob, you know, and we did a lot of craft beer brands under the Michelob brand mm-hmm. um, and tried to lump Michelob in them to try and pump up Michelob a little bit. Um, it was one of my favorite beers for years. Mm-hmm. And it became identical to Budweiser in my mm-hmm. my perspective. Hmm. Um, and then we just didn't know what to do with it. And it's interesting that – after I joined Stone, I became um, – I well, I already knew these folks, but I, I got to know them a little bit closer through interactions with the Master Brewers Association in Southern California. Mm-hmm. But Peter Weens and Louis Cayo and some of these guys that were brewing uh, managers at the Budweiser plant in Van Nuys mm-hmm. did – did some special tests with Michelob recipes, did some all-malt Michelobes, and they brought them to the Master Brewers mm-hmm. meetings. And these beers were phenomenal. Hmm. And I'm like, why don't they just do <laughs> <Yeah>. this? <laughs> you know, they buy were this so stuff. good. Because <laughs> isn't, isn't it the marketing people who are saying, no, no, we, we want something that's, you know, more mass market, more mass market, not something that has you know, oh, too much flavor. Uh, you know, and there were brewing people saying that, too. And, and mm. you know, that was the, the frustrating thing. The most frustrating thing about working for for Anheuser Busch was was the people on the brewing management executive management team who thought, you know, the lower you took the IBU, the more beer you would sell. Mm-hmm. And I just I was like, wow, that is that's not good. Right. I mean, how is that good for the beer? You well, know, make... why don't we tell people how to buy beer? <laughs> just make two different beers: one with more hops and one with less right. hops. Yeah, you know, there right. you go. So, right. so the Michelob was always a very contentious beer mm-hmm. uh, in my time at Anheuser Busch, and, hmm. and I always hoped for it to really turn into something special. And it went back and forth, and mm-hmm. lot, a lot of changes in in my fourteen years at Budweiser. Right, I think. I, Michelob is probably one of the beers I, I drank. Michelob and and Henry Weinhardt's Hank. I drink a lot of right. Michelob back, Light back like in the, the back in the late seventies, uh, early eighties. That, yep. that, those were the beers I drank. Oh, when I was in college at Davis in the early eighties, our our celebration beer was Michelob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we'd go out and get Pop a case show. of that to splurge. <laughs> same place. Yeah. I, I was at Davis too. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then uh, whatever you know, pretty much whatever beer you could get. But that was that was pretty yeah. much the choice. That was yeah. the special beer, and yeah. then I got a twelve a pack of pricey. hams for the yeah. Yeah, no, there the was regular everyday stuff. What was the really <laughs> cheap stuff? I mean, that was it was. You get a case for like eight bucks or like whatever. Brown Derby or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was something. It, you get it at the like the Seven Eleven in Davis. Um, I can't Natural think of what it was. No, 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 no! I don't even—I don't even think that existed then. Oh, I'm sorry. It was—it was really discount. Oh no, maybe it was a Stroh's beer or something. No, it was start with an S. It was—it was horrible. Maybe yeah, Schaefer. Maybe Schaefer. Yeah, it was with like the fish on the can. It was like eight <laughs> bucks for a case. It was like hey, you know what the hell? Yeah, don't you know? get me there. <laughs> right? Yeah, no. We drank some horrible stuff. <laughs> What, you know, lab alcohol. My one of my my uh, roommates <laughs> would steal lab alcohol. You know, like ethanol. ultra pure ethanol. Mm. Yeah, no adulteration whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, you know, add that to whatever and drink Punch. that. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> uh, I'm surprised I'm alive. That's not all right. <laughs> do, do we still have our home brewer on the line? I can call him. <laughs> all right. Oh, no, he couldn't. He couldn't hang on. I'm talking to Mitch here. He didn't want to talk to Mitch. Is he gone? I I never connected him. I don't know if he's. Oh, con- call. I, I can go. Connect. Okay. There you go. So we're going a little long here. That's all right. That's you know it's it's a it's a treat to have uh, Mitch Mitch in studio. So I'm going to it doesn't take happen advantage. every day, man. I'm going to take advantage. That's what I'm doing. Hello. Hey. How you, how's it going? Yeah. I have no idea what your name is. Stan. But my name's Jamel. Oh, Stan. Yeah. Hang on a second here. <laughs> All right. We don't. Yeah. We, no, we don't hang. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I wanted to turn off the. Uh, oh, the broadcast. The feed. Yeah, yeah, have, yeah. have you listened to the uh, show? Did you see how Mitch and Tasty both chose your beer as number one? No, I caught it at the end when. No, uh, they did. But when you about when they were talking about uh, about liking Strohs, that's about where I picked up. At. <laughs> yeah, you missed a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. They chose your beer as number show. one. And then I t- totally t- t- poo-pooed that idea. As you always do. <laughs> and, said, and said you didn't win. Sorry. Well, I, I, no one ever gets a jet ski anyway, so that's all right. <laughs> a jet ski's long gone. We have moved on to... No, that guy's skiing all over the place on that thing. Yes, yes, we've moved on to something else uh, that's up on blocks. But, uh, yeah. Uh, do, do you have a question for Mitch about your beer? Did you want to tell uh, him anything about your beer? This is Mitch Steele, by the way. I don't know. Do you know who you're talking to? Yeah, I've I, uh, <laughs> heard, been listening a little bit, and it's pretty interesting the, you know, hearing the some of the beers and stuff. Like Those are the same beers I drank, uh, you know, first I guess being legal to drink was Michelob was one of the beers I drank and Stroh's. Those were uh, things that, you know, used to do. So it's kind of interesting here that, uh, you know, people at Stone, whatever, also are, you know, raised on the same things. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I think a, a whole, uh, whole passel of us uh, were raised on whatever beer we could get. <laughs> Uh, what, what's the uh, ABV on your uh, homebrew? Um, I think it came in about 5.5. That was a little bit higher. A little bit bigger. Yeah, it was good beer. Uh, was good. Well done. Only well, thing I, I didn't, if I noticed about it, it seemed to have like a lot of 
ester character that I wouldn't associate with a a well fermented uh, lager. Well, you have temperature uh, control. Yeah, lager is kind of new, so this is I don't know about the fourth or fifth one that I did. Uh-huh. So, um, but it w- wasn't intended to be a premium American lager. It was actually supposed to be. I was trying for. Um, you know, pre-prohibition style. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so I, I missed the, uh, I, well, I purposely went a little bit low on, on the hops to begin with, but I also missed my temperature, so it actually finished um, a little bit lower. So it, it, it dried out a little bit more than I was intending. I see. Yeah, I thought it was a relatively clean uh, yeah. beer and relatively mm-hmm. clean uh, ferment. I didn't think mm-hmm. it, you know. Um, oh, just yeah. 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 Nice beer. Well done. Good job! Thanks for sending Absolutely. it in. We appreciate the the support and uh, uh, keep brewing and and send us in some more. We enjoyed it. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear. All right. Thanks a bunch. Nice Dan. beer. Thank you. All, All right. right. Thank you. Bye. All right. Uh, another fine show. I think uh, we're we're gear- It looks like we're gearing up for the Christmas party. Oh, the strippers have, are here. Good. And we have we have abused Mitch long enough. Although great stories, as always, we love having you on. That's just a Christmas. You are you are wonderful to hang out with, and so awesome. it's it's nice to be able to share with yeah, the thanks, listeners yeah, uh, what it's like to hang out with you. So we appreciate that. Yeah. And I know they do too. All right, if you enjoy this sort of stuff, uh, make sure you check out uh, our fine sponsors. Check out that Anvil Brewing. Check out the other BN shows. Check out that IDIP. Uh, lots of good stuff there. Uh, for you to uh, improve your brew day. And if you want to look cool on your brew day, check out the Brewing Network store. Check at brewingnetwork.com slash store. There's hoodies, there's hats, there's shirts, there's uh, growlers, all sorts of goodies in there. And when you get that stuff, uh, any purchase you make, it goes to the directly in the bottom line of the Brewing Network and helps keep shows like this on the air. So uh, make sure you do that today. Look cool on your next brew day. Until then, everybody, brew strong. And often. Awesome.